that is a perfect way to start this thing because we all have this picture in our brains of what we want our home to look like. Beautiful home, beautiful yard, everything looks great on the outside. We love all of our neighbors, all that. And then you go in the front door and it's chaos, right? So first principle we're going to give you today, no family has it together. Okay. Nobody's got it together. So we all have phantoms and we have images and we have all this stuff in our brain about this perfect family. And I just want to start today by telling you that nobody's got it together. God has given you your unique set of circumstances, number of kids, gender of kids, personality of kids, all of those God has given you to train and to lead. And here's the crazy thing. You hear us talk all the time up here in our marriage about, um, that marriage is not about your happiness. It's about your holiness. It's more about you than it is about your marriage. I'm going to stand up, yell and scream, do backflips. Kids training kids is the exact same thing. Okay. It is more about what God is trying to do in your life than it is what you are trying to train in your kids. So at the same time, we're trying to do all of this training. Don't forget to pay attention to what is God doing in me. And it's not to create the perfect, picturesque home in a great neighborhood, right? It's to for us to love God, love others, and to train our kids uh, to do the same. So we are thrilled to be here. Really fun. I, I know a ton of you just through children's ministry. I've married some of you, all that. So it's really fun to be here. Trish actually started uh, back in the early, early days of Watermark, a ministry called Heirlooms, if anybody's in here that remembers that, that was basically the precursor to this. It looked different and all that kind of stuff. But when all of the, the moms that started Watermark were in the same exact place you were, they said, we got to do something. Okay, and so they started this deal called Heirloom. So uh, Trish is going to spend a little bit of time telling you about our family and just kind of one of the dangers as somebody gets up and communicates to y'all is that you have this picture that boy Kyle and Trisha have this incredible marriage and their family does look like what that house looked like on the outside. Not true. And Trisha is about to prove it to you here in just a second. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'd like to take a look at our family here. You might need to turn it on. No, you are on. I think that's volume back there. Yeah. Tell me when you can hear me, okay? I'll just kind of speak loudly and clear. Um, as y'all roll to the next slide, I want you to know that we have three teenage girls. And on the outside, when you, there you go, three teenage girls. Hopefully they'll flip to my next slide. I got it. Okay, when you, um, When you take a look at them, there are these three pretty, sweet, you know, fun girls. Well, obviously, that's not the whole story. You're going to hear more war stories and terror about, you know, what these girls have invoked on us. But but do know that for the most part, they really are great girls. And even though we're going to tell you war stories, for the most part, they shine in every way I ever dreamed of a teenage daughter shining. They make great choices. They've got good friends. They all love the Lord. They love to serve others. They make great grades, blah, 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 blah. For the most part... Big things are going on that we like. There's a lot of other things going on that we still don't like and are still working on. But the long story short is they're pretty good. Parenting is a team effort. And I don't know about you, but for Kyle and I, it is not always a natural, smooth, coordinated effort. We're two strong-willed people with strong opinions. And so 
God just basically created us different. He is a work, um, play first, work second. And I am, you get your work done, then you play kind of girl. He's more adventurous, and I'm a little more cautious. Asked me about the time he had my little biddies up on the roof with him, and my neighbor's almost called CPS. Um, We were putting up Christmas lights. Come on. He is a little more grace-oriented, and I'm a little more consequence-oriented when it comes to parenting. I mean, I could go all the way down the list and bore you, but the bottom line is... This does not naturally happen. We have to communicate a lot just in terms of what do we even want to expect from our kids? Like, where's the standards going to be? And second, how do we go about, you know, moving toward that goal? So those things don't just always happen naturally. We have to work at it. And just to, you know, you guys too, I doubt y'all are going to have it just smoothly roll down the road with you and your spouse. Yeah, one of the funny stories about our differences is that when it comes to safety, I grew up, I'm 6'5", 250 pounds, whatever that is. I never thought about safety. Okay, I just walked wherever I want, whenever I want. I didn't lock doors. I didn't do any of that kind of stuff. Cause, Dallas, Texas, come on. Yeah, I thought in my head, somebody attacks me, I take them out and it's over, right? And so I get married to an appropriately safety, cautious girl. And we have all kinds of, I leave doors open. We ended up getting robbed one time. I mean, just crazy stuff, right? So you can see there was no conflict around that issue in our house, right? Well, here's the great thing. And so one of the deals is, you know, this marriage trains us. And so my wife has taught me over the years just about safety, pay attention, all kinds of things. Well, I can't tell you for sure, but I'm 90% sure that the Lake Highlands rapist we saw between my house and the house next door two different times. Okay. Spying so on I my daughter, chased Kelsey. him down the road at what point? I don't know that for sure. He fit, he, he, he was at he, least a peeping Tom if he wasn't the yeah, guy. Yeah, he was a peeping Tom, but it looks, from my perspective, it looks like that same guy. And so I am so thankful that over the course of the years, Trish has taught me locking doors, pay attention. Girls don't go anywhere by themselves. And so as we had kids, we had to continue. That even went up a notch. So just that's just an example of how we are wired really, really different. Okay, and so over the course of time, now we're a little more aligned. I will still do a little more adventurous stuff than she's comfortable with. And so we have to kind of figure that out together. Let me take a minute. And uh, Trisha said, and she's right, our girls, for the most part, are doing great. Our twins are walking with the Lord. They're serving. They're doing great community. On our third child, which is Kendall, 16, I would say the jury's still out. Okay, so here's what I would say about that. She is doing great. But I think personally, she's doing great because there's boundaries in place, not because her heart is wrapped around the reason to do great, right? To make good decisions and all of that. So we are still praying like crazy for all of our girls, but I just want you to know we're still praying a lot for Kendall. Okay. And and we love her. She's so much fun, (laughs) all that. But I just want you to know jury's still out. Let me tell you a little bit about them real quickly. So Kaylee, the one uh, next to Trish on the left, it's hard to tell which one's my daughter's, right? It's awesome. Okay. Um, Kaylee on the left, incredibly intelligent, made a perfect score on her SAT. Okay. She picks up information like crazy. Okay. She's got that firstborn She's syndrome disciplined, going. disciplined, smart. She plans out ahead of time. She studies for her test three nights a week, makes mama so happy. You would not believe it. She does. Okay. She loves it. Most favored child status in that arena at That's the Kegler household. That's nice. Okay. You take Kelsey also smart, makes great grades, 
does great things, but couldn't manage her time out of a paper bag. Okay, it is last minute. It's crazy. It's throwing stuff together. Trisha walked in the door today, just harried. And I said, normal day. Yep. Normal day. Right. Just things flying, forgetting stuff, all of that stuff. They're twins. Okay. We raise them as much as you can. The same. Same discipline patterns, all that kind of stuff. So here's the lesson. You have less control than you think you do. Okay? Our job today is to train. We're going to talk about training the hearts of our kids. But you do not have as much control over how your kids will turn out as you think you do. So you're going to hear me say this two or three times today. Relax. Okay? Susan and I have a chance uh, periodically to meet with families who they would say are in crisis. They've got a... A, um, uh, a strong-willed child, things are going on crazy in their family. 90% of the time when they walk in, we kind of listen to them for 30 or 45 minutes. We kind of get a feel for the environment in the house. And most of the time, you know what is the most, the best thing I do? I just say, hey, you're doing great. You're trying. You're working at this. You're a tent, you're going to church, you're coming to the nest, you're reading stuff, you're talking to other parents about parenting. Relax. You can't control this. All you can do is train the hearts of your kids. Keglers are an experiment. Twins, same parenting style, two very, very, very different children. Okay? What we want to do today, just as we kind of start talking through this, is we have come up as we have, some of y'all know that we've got this class called Parenting on Point, where as community groups, you can jump into a 13-week kind of study on parenting. We're having a great time doing that. As we were working through the curriculum, every week, we just kind of kept running through these four ideas that we wanted parents to think about uh, every day or every moment or whatever that is. And so here is kind of what I would say the formula And the formula says, kind of says that it's going to fix your home. Okay, this formula does not fix your home. Okay, but this formula gives you a structure for your brain as you think through different issues of purity with your kids or discipline. How do I do that? And so that formula is this right here. Model, train, pray, trust. Model, train, pray, trust. I hope that sings in your head at night, okay, as you go to bed. And so it's just the, it's kind of how we're going to structure our time this morning as we kind of go through this. And so the first thing we want to talk about is this whole idea. Uh, And just so you know, I put this, the kind of the primary scripture that go with each of those. All this is in your, uh, if you're following along in your handout, you've got all of these slides. So you've got... Um, all of that. And that's the primary scripture that goes with it. We'll talk a bunch about a bunch more scripture, but the first thing I want to tell you is, um, the whole idea of modeling. And so we're going to talk about really today, Deuteronomy six, six through 10 is going to about it kind of be the core passage we're going to talk about today. And so Deuteronomy six, six starts with these words. So Moses has just talking to the people of Israel we're going into the promised land. Let me tell you how to set up your civilization. That's basically what he's saying. I'm not going to get to go. I'm going to tell you how you go into a culture that is very different than what 
I want, God wants to set up. And so he's having this conversation. He basically in one through five of this chapter of chapter six says, Hey, obey my commands. If you do, it'll go well with you. And then in six, he starts talking about how to do that. And he says, these words, which I am commanding you today shall be on in parentheses, highlight circle, whatever you want to do in your notes, your heart. So this is Moses saying to the people of Israel must be on your heart before it goes to your kids, your grandkids, and the following generations. So we're not going to spend a ton of time on this today because we're going to talk mostly about how do we train the hearts of our kids. But I just want you to know that modeling is the most important thing to raising kids who love God. The most important thing. Your kids need to see a transformed parent. Okay. So if one of the issues in our house, Kyle struggles with lust. Okay. And so they need to see that I struggle less with lust this year than I did last year or the year before. Or if I have a hurt or a habit or a hang up, pick your addiction, whatever it is that I am making progress because of the work of Jesus Christ in my life. So the most important thing your kids can see is you transformed. Second corollary to that is your kids will get your junk. Okay. If you don't deal with your stuff, you're going to pass it on to your kids. Trish and I see it every single day in our home. The areas that we find life in apart from God. Okay. For me, food, addiction to sports, my girls playing sports, fishing at times can be an addiction for me. Okay. We don't see that. My girls, my girls don't like to fish. Um, but we just see kind of how our kids eat. We kind of see how much TV our kids watch and we just kind of turn the mirror up and it's like, Ooh, um, I think that's what we've modeled for our kids. So it's just an encouragement as you want to be a great parent, as you want to raise godly kids, just to remember that modeling and how you grow as a follower of Christ really, really matters. Trish is going to talk a little bit as a, about a spouse, as a spouse. There are several kind of aspects to what you map, what you model. And one, you are modeling for them what it looks like to be a wife or husband. You get the idea, a married partner, um, for down the road for when they become married people. The thing Khan I have agreed upon and that I think is really significant is that our marriage comes first. I value Kyle and my relationship with him above the kids. And guys, it's really tempted to get that the other way around. It's really easy to put all of your time and all of your energy and all of your physical and emotional effort into those kids and have zero left over for him. And guys, I'm going to really challenge you to have it the other way around because you know what? My girls are 18. I'll cry if I think about it too long, but you know what? They're about to leave. Guess who I'm going to be with? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> and the good news, no, the really great news is that we can look at each other and say, I'm excited about being with you. It's like, well, yeah, I'm going to miss them, but I'm really excited about the time we're going to have together. We got plans and thoughts and dreams and we got things to do with or without these guys. And so the long story short is what does that mean when you're your age? It means one, how are you allocating your time and your energy? Are you making time to get away with your spouse? Like leave the kids completely with someone else. Do you have some regular date nights in there where you're like, okay, yeah, we're going to go spend time and invest in our relationship and not just with the kids. 
Um, guys, not only will it make you happier overall, long picture, it's going to, a really secure marriage is for those of you who are married, it's going to provide security for your kids. And as your kids get older, they're going to be really grateful. The fact that, oh yeah, you did leave us. And my parents do have a strong marriage and I'm so excited about that. So it's a gift you're giving them as well, even though it seems a little backward. Yeah, and the, and the big picture to that is you are training your kids. Everything that's going on with you and your kids is they watch you exhibit oneness is eventually going to be transferred to their picture of God. And so that's why this is so important. We're going to talk in a minute about how you treat others. That comes from watching your marriage. They're going to talk about how you get aligned with other people. How do you build consensus? They're going to pick that up from you. All of that transfers over to your what's going on now with your kids, but then to your relationship with the Lord. This, oh, wait. Go ahead. Keep going. You're yep. a couple behind. I'm behind. I know it. There you go. The second piece of this is parental alignment, being on the same page with your spouse. Well, I told you earlier that doesn't always come naturally for us and we have to work at it. But here's the deal. As far as your kids are concerned, you are our united front. Now that means behind the scenes, you may be going, I don't know about this, you know, but in front of them, you are a united front to me. I'm a visual person. So I think of Jurassic park where those dinosaurs would test the wall for weaknesses. That is your kids. (laughs) They will test for the weaknesses and they will find it and choose to use it to their advantage some way, somehow. And so here's the deal in our family. When they were little bitties, we made it an automatic consequence. If you come to one parent and you get a no and you go to the other parent, hoping for a different answer, Just the fact that you asked both parents, hoping to get that different answer, you get an automatic consequence. So we wanted them to know this unity thing is a big deal for us. So as much as you are able in front of them, be on the same page. Yeah, and they will work it. So just so you know, we're trying to teach our kids now is just how to how to respectfully push into authority. I want my kids to be able to respectfully, when they think there's bad authority, to question that authority. And so at the end of the day, after they've pushed appropriately, the scripture says we need to obey bad authority. It just does. And so at the end of the day, you may just have to obey, but we're teaching them. How can you respectfully? So if mom makes a decision, okay, that you can't go out tonight or we can't extend your curfew or something like that, they now know they can ask, Hey, can I go mom? Can I go ask dad? And Trisha will say, well, I'm not a 10, a nine or a 10 on how I feel about this. So yeah, you can go. And so they'll come to me and they'll ask the question, hey, dad, what do you think about this? I never give them an answer. Okay. Until I say, have you checked with your mom? What did she say? And then let me go talk with her. And so we'll sit in and then, you know, when you're down in the control room, you're fighting like cats and dogs, but when you're up on the deck, right, you're a united front. And so we can, Trisha says, Hey, I'm a seven on this. And I say, well, I'm a four on this. So let's go with your response. But when we go out, we're backing each other. So this whole idea, again, as Suzanne and I meet with families in the family ministry area, the first, one of the first places we go poking around is to find out how are you mom and dad doing as you're aligned in your parenting, in your discipline at the house. But you know what? Most of that respectful appeal isn't until your kids are older. Right. When they're little, little bitties, they just need to learn to do what you say when you say it right away. I mean, that kind of appeal stuff comes a little bit later on yes, down the road. that's exactly right. Yep. Okay. So that's the whole idea of modeling model as a disciple, a growing disciple of Christ and model as a spouse. So we're going to jump into the big part of this. 
And this is the train, primary proverb, 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Let me do just give you a little uh, important thing to know about studying the scripture. This is a principle. It is not a promise. We all know great parents who have prodigal kids. So it's a principle. Okay, you, there is no guarantee in this thing called parenting, but this is still a great verse for you guys to work on. So here's one of the things Trisha and I wanted to do uh, is talk about what are the Kegler biggies, okay, around our, our house that we kind of, um, we kind of drop the hammer on. Um, at our place. And so Trish, you want to talk about the first few? Well, actually, Kyle's kind of hit on a little bit about you make time to abide with Christ. That's part of the modeling. Parents are aligned. I've already sung that song. So let me keep going. Respect is one of the giant ones that kind of, we call them the hills we're going to die on. And respect is one of them. The first respect is for authority. Excuse me, respect for their parents. Um, Leviticus says each of you must respect his parents and you must observe my Sabbath. So it's, 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 there's millions of verses in there about respecting your parents. So you've got to make a decision about how they are going to treat you both with their words and with their actions. And so think about things like, okay, what am I going to do when they roll my eye, their eyes at me? That's not respectful. And that will happen. Those of you who have girls, <laughs> um, when they're little and you ask them to do something, they will, they don't know to filter it. They just like, will tell you, no, <laughs> as you laugh and on the inside, you can't let them get away with that. They can't tell you no, cause you're establishing who's the boss and it's not respectful to do that to your parents. Um, we also think it's really important that they establish a respect for others. And now this can be um, other people in authority, like their teachers and their babysitters, any elder or their grandparents, that kind of thing. We felt that was important. But here's the deal. It mattered hugely to us how we were going to treat each other within our family of five. They had to respect each other as siblings as well. And so how they treat each other really, really matters. We did not want our kids to be competitive with each other. And you know what? For the most part, they're not. They're each other's biggest fans. They want to go to each other's dance events, soccer game, whatever. They they are fans of each other. Um, and for the most part, now they're teenage girls. They're going to fuss over clothes and makeup and stuff from time to time. But you know what? For the most part, they get along great. One of my most vivid memories is we were on a long car trip at this last spring break. Just the five of us in the car. Do you know how hard they laughed and giggled and just, we had an amazingly sweet time because they're good friends. And a lot of it starts right where you are. We worked hard on how they were going to treat each other, how they were going to share and be kind to each other and not use ugly terms. And you're going to pull for each other. And we kind of laid that foundation. So that, that was a real biggie for us. Respect your parents, respect each other. Yeah. And just a couple of thoughts on that. You've got a discipline for that at this age. Big. Right when they are not respectful to parents, when they are not respectful to their siblings, you have the oppor- it really is an opportunity. It's a privilege as a parent, okay, to discipline those things so that later on you can have your family be great friends with each other. You can have respect for authority in your home. And I'll just say this, and I know there's very few dads in the room, but here's the deal. One of the things you should go talk to your husbands about is God has created a specific line of authority. 
Okay, and it's God, the male in the household, and the female. Qualification. The church has done a terrible job of teaching the whole idea of submission and what that means and what that looks like. The, the, how you teach that is you love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's how you teach that. It's not some authoritative domineering picture that we sometimes have, but God has set up that line of authority. So go talk to your husbands and they need to know that the line stops with them. Mom, you're with your little kids most of the day. You're doing a ton of that, but they need to know that dad is the authority. Trisha, two or three times on a couple of these biggies called me home from the office out of meetings and said, come home right now and deal with the fact that my kids are being disrespectful to me. I've worked it. I've tried. I'm at the end of my rope. Come home. And I had given her permission to do that. And so it is so important that your husband is involved in this and anytime. So if I was going to pick the biggie, my daughters never disrespect their mom, not attitude wise, not, um, not body Words. language, not anything. Okay. And so we discipline for attitude. And so that was one of the great parenting tips when we got, when we all were y'all's first place is that we discipline for attitude. That's roll of the eyes. That's huffing and turning that slamming doors. Kendall slammed a door the other night and I'm like, ah, dang it. Here we go again. Right. And so I went in there, turned on the light. She was, was falling asleep. Said, get back in there and clean the kitchen. We've told you a number of times I left five minutes back in front of the TV, watching whatever I was watching. She didn't do it. I walked back in, flipped the light on Kendall, go clean the kitchen or you will not see the volleyball court for the next two weeks. And so she was so mad. She was banging pots and pans. And when she, when she went back into the room, she slammed that door shut. And I thought, ah, dang it. And I went back again, third time. Cause it's late. We want to go to bed. Yeah. And flipped on the light and said, Hey, we don't do this. This is disrespectful. And so it starts at the age that y'all are at right now. So really important. Yeah. And he is a great partner with me on that and that I mean for the most part I don't let them disrespect me but if I ever miss it or have a blind spot boy he's right there to be on the exact same page which is really really a gift um the next biggie for us is truthfulness if you ask my girls to just come and tell us a bold-faced lie they would look at you like you had lost their mind there's like no they they you don't lie to mom and dad the reason is you trust us. We're always on the same team. We are your, we are in this together with you. We're your strong support. You don't lie to your strong support. We're here to help you. And that being said, I'm not just talking about a bullface lie. I'm talking about lies of omission. I'm talking about any intent to deceit. And yeah, my youngest, she's the one that wants to deceive. She's the one that didn't like to eat her vegetables. And she would take a mouthful of vegetables and ask to go to the bathroom and spit them in the toilet. Well, <laughs> she doesn't know those peas float. <laughs> All right, yep. Or she'd try and sneak them into the dog or in the trash can. Or, but that's deceit. And you know what? She got a consequence every single time. Anytime we ask her, are you trying to deceive us? As one, they're not as smart as they think they are. But two, we let her know really clear. Here's the spade that it is. You don't even think about doing that in our house. And to be really clear with y'all, because this one is so valued to us, 
we made serious consequences anytime they crossed one of those truthfulness lines. And so I would have you think about, okay, what are our serious consequences going to be when they don't tell me the truth or they're there to deceive us or that type of thing. So truthfulness yep. is big. And just so you know, and I'm telling you some of the stories when our kids are a little older to know that the battle goes on. So several yeah. weeks ago, we have told our kids specifically just one of the boundaries we've set, even though they're set, they were 17 and 15 at the time, you cannot watch Glee. And so, oh, but dad, we love the music. The music's great. It's incredible. We just watch the music. We just listen to the music. That's all we do. <clears throat> right. Okay. And so Trish and I found on our computer, Glee was up. We're like, what's going on with that? And so we called one of our daughters in and said, hey, what's this? Did you watch? Yes. How many episodes? Four. Let's talk about that. And so just, I'm just telling you, I'm telling you these older stories just to let you know it's not over, right? You keep working, you keep battling, you keep reinforcing values and you keep doing that. But that whole truthfulness is very important. Communication. All right. Get the picture. Fairly small house, three bedroom house, three girls within two and a half years of each other. One bathroom. Okay. Get the picture for them, for them. Yeah. We got our own. (laughs) and they have to ask permission to use ours when they want to okay Um, but here's the deal the whole communication thing i put under there the first one is no whining at the kegler household okay three daughters three teenage daughters but even when they were small crying and begging and pleading and, oh, dad, come on. And I'm like, we are not having a con- Look, my kids, if my kids are hurt or disappointed, they can cry all day and I will be compassionate and love them. But when you're ready to have a conversation, okay, you come back and you have a conversation. And let's talk about it. And so I don't know if that's a pet peeve of mine. I don't know what that is, but no whining. Okay. At the Kegler household. And it makes our house much more peaceful because we don't allow our kids to whine and we continually train for, uh -uh. okay. When you're ready to have a conversation about what you want or what you're frustrated about or what you're angry about, let's talk about that. Okay. But let's not whine about it. So the second one is just how you handle conflict. You guys know if you've been around Watermark at all, that's a huge deal around here. And so we started at a very early age about how do you handle conflict. So we would sit them on the couch, have them look at each other. We would walk them through the conflict steps at the age of three and four and five and six, all the way up to 18 and 16. So we'd say, are you sorry? Sometimes they'd say, no, I'm not sorry. Then we have to have that conversation, right? But if they're sorry, yes. So how do you say, say, I'm sorry. So be specific, sorry, because you, I took Kaylee's toy. Great. We ask forgiveness. Ask forgiveness, grant forgiveness, and 30 seconds later, they're up and playing just like kids can do. But that training of that conflict is really, really important. Look, our kids, we didn't, I know, no school teaches families how to communicate. We spend a whole class period in Parenting on Point talking about how you set up an environment so that there's healthy communication at your house. And so how you handle conflict is a huge part of that. The last thing I'll touch on just real briefly is as much as you can have fun at your house. He is the daddy. Oh, fun. He can preach it because he lives it. 
So as, as you guys, so whether that's you or whether that's that, so, hey, come run an errand. I always try, and you guys have heard this, I always try to take a kid. And a lot of times they didn't want to go, but I'd put a Slurpee on the end of it. Right? Hey, you get a Slurpee? Sure, let's go. And so we get 30 or 45 minutes at Lowe's and then we go grab a Slurpee. And so that's fun. We'll talk in a minute about some stuff we did kind of in the evenings that was fun. And so Trisha didn't think that helping me put the Christmas lights on the roof was very fun, but we all did. We loved it. Right. So anyway, just the whole idea of keeping things fun because it gives you, um, it gives you the opportunity to discipline your kids. If your kids know that your house is characterized by fun and joy and peace, they're going to listen to the discipline side much more. I will tell you, one of the things that I really get concerned about as I get to read and pay attention to families and stuff like that is so many of our homes are characterized by efficiency and stress and anxiety. And so I think, again, it's back to that, hey, relax. You're doing great. Stay the course. You have less control than you think you do. All of those things is really important for creating a fun environment in your home. All right, we'll move on to, okay, Deuteronomy 6, 7 through 9. So the rest of that passage, this is basically where it tells you how to train your kids in the scripture. If you haven't heard me say this before, Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9, memorize it, meditate on it, live it, because it's the foundational passage for all of parenting. You shall teach your kids diligently to your sons and shall talk of them. He's talking about the commandments, sorry. You shall talk of the commandments diligently to your sons, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Summary, you're training your kids all the time. There is some structured stuff that you should be doing and can do, but there is a ton of environment, culture, vibe of your home that really matters. At our last uh, Parenting on Point class last uh, spring, we brought in all the college kids and beyond of the mentor couples. And we were seven or eight of them up on stage and we gave them the mic and we asked them, what was it? And these kids are all mission minded and they're all doing great. They're walking with the Lord. They're in community. They have all those values. What happened in your house growing up? And they gave us four gold nuggets that I'm going to lay on you right now. Okay. One is there was an environment and a culture of godliness at our house. Not one kid remembered one structured devotional. And there were plenty there. They just didn't remember them. Yeah, they just didn't remember them. Okay. And one of the moms who had been so diligent to do devotionals like crazy stood up and said, yes, we did. Yes, we did. We did one every Sunday, you know, because she was frustrated because her kid didn't, didn't remember. What they remembered was the environment, the culture, and the vibe at their house was always around the scripture It was always around, hey, dad, I'm struggling with this bully. How do I handle that? And so the parents would go back to God's word and say, here's how we handle that. So that's two, right? So environment matters is one of the things that they said. Number two, the scripture was the foundation of their home, even though it wasn't structured. They were mission minded. So all of the families had their kids serving at a very early age. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that here in just a second. Just how do we, how do you do that with your kids? And the fourth one was that my parents engaged with my friends. 
whether that was at their house, whether that was coaching somewhere. One of the kids even said, my friends came over to hang out with my mom and dad more than they did to hang out with me. And so they were engaged with their friends. And so that's four nuggets that, that you can think about as you talk about training your kids. Okay. You've got this chart in your packet and it is Deuteronomy six, six and seven broken down. Okay. As it can happen in a structured way today. So I know a lot of you want really practical ways to think about this. So we're going to go through with the rest of our time. How do you establish values in your house? How do you interpret life for your kids? How do you build intimacy with your kids? And how do you instill purpose in your kids' lives? Okay, so remember, model, train, pray, trust. We're in the training section. And now we're going to talk about how do you train your kids? And so the first way to do that is this whole idea of establishing values. Your role is as a teacher... And the best time, not the only time, but the best time to do that when your kids are young is around mealtime. Because everybody's together, you're in the kitchen, kids are around, hopefully dad's home. And so the big question everybody's asking, okay, great, Kyle, those are awesome. How? How do I do that? And so the first thing is you need to have, you don't have to use these, but have a list of things that you highly value in your home. For us, God's good, God's great, God loves you, Bible is true, have a grateful heart, serve others, friends matter, passion for prayer, importance of grace, and humility. And so know what those are, take one minute or two minutes prior to dinner time and think what happened to me today that I can talk about with my kids that exemplifies that God is good. That's discipleship. That's training your kids. It takes almost no time. It's why you're preparing dinner or preparing lunch. What can I talk about? So Trish came in yesterday and just said, just off the top of her head, man, God was so good to me today. I had so much to do and God just multiplied my time. Perfect. Have that conversation around the table. God was good to me today. Okay. Family member who's sick is now feeling better. Man, God really took care of Aunt Susie or Uncle Jim or whatever. And you just have those conversations. And so just pick one at a meal, one a day, one a week, whatever that is, and just have that conversation. And that's discipleship. Another great example. So some of y'all know Scott and Sally Michael. I was over at their house a couple of weeks ago. And so in their kitchen, as part of their decor, it looks really cool. They have this full... Uh, probably six or seven foot black and white chalkboard. And so on that chalkboard in pastel chalk, they have all nine of the watermark values written out. And they have the key verse with goes with that value written out under that. And it's part of the decor of their house. And so it's just their kids are growing up knowing that, hey, this is who we are. This is what we do. And so make that a part of what your house is, right? It talks about, when it talks about put it on the doorpost, that's what you can do. And it works with a decoration, but it's a declaration of if you're a Michaels, this is who we are. This is our family. This is what we're about. And I'm really visual. So it reminds me that these are the things that I need to talk about. 
Okay. So let's talk quickly. Just, just, I'm going to pick one of these and just talk specifically about some of the things that we did, or Trisha's going to talk about some of the things that we did. This whole idea of serving others. How do you model that for your kids? A lot of easy ways to do it when they're little, because you know, gifts come up all the time, birthday gift, father's day gift, you know, you pick your holiday and how meaningful is it to give them money and let them go buy something? Yeah, a little bit. How much more meaningful is it to let them give a gift coupon where it's all them? Dad, I'm going to take the trash out for you this week, every day, all week. That's my coupon gift to you. It could be make your bed. It could be take out the trash. Something that your little bitty one is capable of. Coupon gifts are a big deal because it helps them serve. Well, Daddy O Fun thought about, okay, how can we make this even funner? So then we started making it kind of kamikaze, don't catch me. I want to serve you, but I don't want anyone to catch me. You have to do it sneaky-like. And so we would do these sneaky servant things for each other and try not to get caught. And then at the end of the day or end of the week, whatever time period, we would kind of have a confession time and talk about, well, who did what? And, oh, I loved it when you blank, 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 that kind of thing. Um, and the other kind of, we again, turned it into a game. We did a servant of the week. Or was it servant of the day? Week. Servant of the week. And so basically we would have someone, we wouldn't tell them what to do or how to do it. Did we draw names? I don't remember. I don't remember. I think, I think we did. I think we had all five names in a hat and you drew, everyone drew someone else's name. And basically the idea was for you to serve them that week in any way you could think possible. And so for example, if Kendall had dad, she was probably trying to do things that would make dad happy. You know, like I said, take out the trash or carry his shoes to the closet or just little things to help him. And at the end of the week, we would all talk about how they, we, Receive the gift we received. Oh, I loved when I received this, this, and this gift. It was so exciting for me that someone did this for me. And at the end, you kind of get to find out who was your person who did your serving in case they weren't so sneaky. And then we voted who was the servant of the week. And it was just a neat value. It raised the value of serving. One, it got it on our mind. Two, we made it fun. And then three, it just raised how much we valued serving each other and not making it all about themselves. Yep. So we're going to have to keep moving here, but just spend some time thinking about, okay, how can I do this? Pick your values, whatever you want them to be in your house and spend some time thinking about how you can creatively Not work your tail off. I'm not trying to give anybody else anything else to do. Y'all are busy. And so, but spend some time thinking about how can we make that a value. Go on. Okay, so the second part of Deuteronomy 6, 7 through 9 is this whole idea of helping your kids interpret life. Your role is as a friend and it's basically during drive time. Okay, it says in the scripture, when you walk along the side of the road, as Deuteronomy 7 says, that, that in our day is when you're driving. We're all driving, games, carpools, practices, all that kind of stuff. And so uh, so we just keep helping them interpret life. And so is this, is this yeah. you? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to. I'll go real quick. Yeah, great. Um, ask probing questions when you're in that car. How did you like? Da, 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 da. Ask open-ended questions. What did you think of? Da, 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 da. 
Um, this is a key time, especially when they're, cause they're with you all the time in the car as preschoolers control the media in your car. Do you know how much scripture my kids learned because of those stinking little kitty tapes we had playing? That are terrible, by the way. Bad yeah. music. All that stuff. But, well, one, it doesn't hurt me to hear it either, but two, it definitely helped them to hear it. Um, have quality books, whether they're in the car or at home, that have great godly values in them. And I would say the same thing with videos at home. I mean, I think no one your age even knows Donut Man, but man, my kids learned so much godly information from that man that I'm still grateful for him. Um, but remember, garbage in, garbage out. So is your car time, that friend time, are you using it to put good quality stuff in or is it garbage in? Just occupy them. I'd rather challenge you to put quality in while they're there. And in the meanwhile, be a student of your child. And what we mean by this is know your child and adjust your responses accordingly. Some are a little more tenderhearted and make sure that you respond a little more delicately when you're dealing with that child. Some are thicker skinned. And also know, I would even say as you're a student of them, know the timing. When do they want to talk? My youngest, she got in the car at the end of the day and it was just, it's like it had built up all day and she just needed to tell me everything about her day. I loved it. But if it was carpool and there were five other kids in the car with us, I wasn't going to get squat. So be a student of your child and know when your opportunities are. Yep. And I just, so what you're doing is you're training your kids' responses. When they're the age that your kids are, you help them have the right answer. And it's a training. Did you have fun? What did you learn? You get the craziest answers from your kids when they come home from Sunday school. And so you just correct that and you train. That's discipling your kids. That's being intentional. All right. Next one. All right, third part is how do you build intimacy? You're kind of their counselor and bedtime is the time to do this. So the whole idea, this is when we memorize scripture. Mm -hmm. This is when we read books. And so I like to read history. And so I was reading about Lewis and Clark. So we put the fun back in. So every night on the bed, we acted out Lewis and Clark. So I put them on my back. I was either the boat or I was the horse or I was something else. And we were on the bed and we were crawling on the floor, but I read counted what I had read the day before talking about the Indians and talking about the Buffalo. And we went on Buffalo hunts and they fell off the horse. And I mean, it was just crazy. They just knew it was fun. But that builds intimacy with your kids. Kendall still talks about, we had this season when my kids were young, where before they went to bed, we played hide and go seek. And so one time Kendall 45 minutes ahead of time before she was supposed to bed, goes and crawls under her bed. Okay. And I'm laying in her bed Kendall, Kendall, time for bed. Time. And all of a sudden this arm comes up from the abyss and grabs me like that. It's the scaredest I've ever been in my life. <laughs> ever. And, and she, she still it. talks about that, that I have scared dad more than anybody else in his entire life. And so keep it fun. That's a great time to uh, build intimacy. It's also a great time to talk about the values again, but talk about uh, your family history in, in a good way. Hey, here's how grandmother and granddad, this is how they did that. This is aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters. And it's a great time just to talk about your family and build that intimacy. And the last thing is the whole idea of instilling purpose. And this is you're playing the role of a coach. And this is typically don't get caught up in the times because we do this throughout the day, but your kids are alert and more ready to kind of learn and be coached 
okay, than they are later on in the day. So the whole idea of how do you make a friend? How do you honor their teacher or their coach? Like when my girls were four or five, we'd pull them in and we'd say, hey, when practice is over, go pick up all the soccer balls for the coach and put them in that bag. And just tell them little things about how they can learn to serve others. Help you clean house. Takes longer, right? Not efficient. Get them to help you. Teach them how to serve. Help dad with, I mean, it's when I'm under a car or I'm under a toilet or I'm something like that, having somebody to hand me those tools is huge. A six, five, I don't fit very well under those things. And to have somebody help me is great. And then how to handle bullies, etiquette, manners, all those things is a great time to talk about that. Hey, quick thing on the manners, let them role play. If you have, we, our girls were really kind of shy when they were little and they didn't want to look someone in the eye, say hello, shake their hand. They did not want to do any of that. And so we had to really role play and teach them. Here's how you greet an adult. And we'd have to let them practice it a bit at a time. And there were seasons where we actually rewarded them for it. Like, oh, look what I caught you doing. Boom, here's a reward, that kind of thing, just to motivate them. But guys, the idea is cast vision for your kids. Help them to go where they would not naturally go on their own. Yep. Okay, model, we talked about. Train, use that Deuteronomy 7 passage in that chart in terms of how you train your kids. Pray. I cannot overemphasize this enough. And so Trish, I think we're out of time, right? So I'm just going to touch on this. Am I okay for another five minutes or so? Perfect. Thank you. Okay. So this is really, really important. We forget about how important prayer is. You want to tell our stories? Just really quick. There was a season when Kaylee, she's our oldest, was about five or six. And all of a sudden she kind of withdrew. She stopped engaging a lot. She just isolated herself a lot and we couldn't figure out what this sudden change was. So, I mean, literally we're asking the probing questions like, have you been harmed in some way? Has there been something inappropriate gone on? You know, we, we were kind of concerned and all the answers and feedback came back. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And we checked with others in her life. She was good. So literally we really didn't know what else to do. We just started praying and I'll be honest. I prayed some, this man prayed a ton I mean, very hardcore for her. And I don't know how long it was, babe, two, three weeks, Mm -hmm. at least three weeks. At the end of that, all of a sudden, boom, she was back. She was chipper. She was engaging. She was her normal self. And I'm like, I'm calling Kyle. What happened? What's going on? And he just, a matter of fact, well, goes, well, Trisha, I was praying. (laughs) There you go. I mean, because really we cannot associate that change with anything else other than the prayer. And when Kelsey was sick, she was hard hearted. She went through this little tantrum season at age six where she was, I'm not sorry. And I don't care. You know, we're just (laughs) having fits when we hear that from her. And you know what? Yes, we were really hard on the discipline with her at that time. But at the same time, we were equally as hard on terms of how strong we were praying for her at that time. And that season didn't last terribly long. And a lot of it, I really attribute to the prayer. Yeah. And I do a lot. I pray for one thing for my kids. For a season. So Kaylee, it's that she would be a little more compassionate. Kelsey, that she would be uh, a little more, um, how do you say, structured or something like that. And then for Kendall, it's that she would be more responsible. And I just pick one word for each kid and I pray that for a season is what I do. So important. You have in your handouts the Wimberly gold for how to pray for your kids. And so just take advantage. It's the positive traits you want to pray for. It's the demolition traits that you want to take out of your kids. And then there's a sheet in there for how you ought to pray for your husbands. But please hear me. Do not neglect praying for your family. 
Mm. is so important. Last thing we'll do is talk about trust. Um, and just real quickly in your packet, I gave you just, this is my planned biblical response to anxiety and fear. I get fearful about my kids' health, their safety, all that. And so I built just, it's on the laptop of my computer, just a sheet of scripture that when I start getting feel fearful about my kids, I go back to that. It's on the back page of your deal. It's probably 15 or 20 uh, scriptures that I just use anytime that I start getting scared or feel for fearful or anxious um, about what's going on with our kids. In your slides, in the handout that you have, there's a great passage in um, Genesis 22, okay, where Abraham took and put Isaac on the altar. And so I would encourage you to spend a quiet time on that and internalize the fact that God uses your kids to create dependence in your life upon him, which is exactly what Abraham was doing with Isaac. Let me pray for us. Father, thanks for uh, just a great privilege it is to talk with uh, friends about how to parent. I know when we're up here and there's clean slides and there's organized information and all that, that it seems um, just seems so easy and it's just not. And so, Lord, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would lead us, guide us, protect us. Father, would you convict us? I pray that you would help us to know how and when to train our kids. Parenting is so full of gray area and nuances, uh, Lord, that we've got to have you in order to do that well. So would you bless these families that are represented here? And Father, would you make us uh, help us to raise a generation of kids that are deeply in love with you, uh, that love others and will change the world for the sake of Jesus Christ? We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know that's you. Yeah, I got it. In your handouts and the last slide, and then I think we'll scroll to it, there's a handful of questions, table leaders, for you all to go through with your tables. And um, we'll come back up for Q&A in about 10 minutes. The overwhelming question, okay, probably four to one, was what consequences, what age, okay, and what are they? So I'm going to hand that to Trish, okay? Um, I'm going to give it, it's because I talk about this a lot, so I can give it pretty quickly. Um, the real defiance, I know I'm not supposed to do it, but I'm doing it anyway. It's going to happen somewhere around 15 months, maybe a little earlier, and um Your baby's used to you going, oh, I love you. You're so sweet. You've got to go to a firm tone in terms of, no, we do not touch that. So firm tone. We even did hand swats when they were like grabbing things they didn't need to grab. And we did a lot of redirecting. I'm steering you from the no toward the yes. That's kind of where it all starts. By about 18 months, the defiance will grow. And as you've been there, you can confirm it will grow. Um, by about 18 months-ish, we started spanking. And so we would spank their bottoms. It was a whole long process. I won't give you all the details. But guys, when they're preschoolers, this is so effective because it's immediate. They understand it. It speaks their toddler language. So we did that probably... 
seriously till about three, three and a half, depending on your child, that 18 months, three, three and a half. Um, when, by the time they were five, we were like almost never spanking at all. I mean, they just had it. We were doing other consequences. And so eventually we could do some isolation, taking them away from things they wanted to be a part of. Um, you know, we could pull privileges when they got older. Oh, you were going to get to watch this TV show at this time, but you know what? Now today you don't get to because you lost that privilege. But do you see how that consequence isn't immediate? It's a delayed consequence. They have to be older to handle that. So that's kind of the basic age and basic consequences in my two minute version. I will tell you biggies included a double spanking. And just so you know, I'm sorry to be very technical with you, but a spanking for us was typically three slots. A double spanking, you would give them the three spots, you'd wait a minute, and you go, okay, here comes the double, and you give them three more. It's more that you build it up in their head. Um, but you know what? That was a big deal if they got a double spanking. That was huge. Yeah, and just just so you know, I know spanking doesn't work for every single kid. So right. don't hear us say that, that it's every kid. Here's what I will tell you. Spanking made our life so much easier for the exact reasons that Trisha said. That they got what we wanted them quicker because we were spanking. You can redirect. It just takes you longer. And so when you're managing three kids or four kids or whatever you have, and look, I was looking for efficiency at times. And so that just communicated more quickly to them. I remember, just so you know, we're a long way from that stage. I remember us spanking longer than that. But I will tell you, I had the strongest three-year-old daughter you could ever imagine. So it was, I had her sometimes cranked. Right. Or Trisha would hold her because she was so (laughs) defiant and so strong that I, I mean, I couldn't just say. And finally, she learned that if she fought me, it was the double spanking. Okay. And every now and then we got to a triple spanking. And so here's what I want to tell you. We are not into child abuse. No. Okay. At all. It's a whole training thing. It really is. But we do, we did practice that in our home. And I would look back and say, I was so thankful that we did. We used a little eight inch or six inch leather strap and his name was Buster. Okay. And, and Buster could fit in a purse. Buster could fit in a pocket. Buster could go wherever. And because the consequences of immediate spanking are so important, target, temper fit, it's not efficient. Take your child out to the car, handle the spanking, tell them you love them. We love you, care for you. We're just trying to train that heart. Let them put their act back together. Go find your cart. Hopefully and they knew I would away. leave my buggy and take care of business. That's the key. It wasn't an idle threat. They knew I'm in it. Yes. And so we would just say that the whole spanking idea during those preschool years and then consequences were social privileges. So birthday parties, um, things like that that they were doing. It was media technology, things like that that we took away. Anything else? You were going to have an ice cream date with dad, but now there's no ice cream date today. Yep. You know, things like that. So, and again, these are not the only way to do it, guys. It's just, you asked for some of our ideas and that's what, those are some of our ideas. Uh, there are a couple of questions around how do you start discipline? How do you discipline for whining at an early age? So it seems easier and it is easier to have a real conversation with a six, seven, eight, nine and up. How do you do that with a two or three year old? And I'm going to give that one to Millie. <laughs> Hello. 
Okay. Hello. Or maybe we turn it off again. Hello. Hello. Oh, there, oh, there go. we go. Okay. One thing I was going to say, because Trisha touched on it, but really when you're spanking, it's got to be initiated from a heart toward training. Mm-hmm. You can't do it out of anger. That is a total deal killer. Because in our home, it's called a cloudy heart. And if you have a cloudy heart as the initiator and carrying out that, it can really be a deal killer. Then you're kind of, it's like putting another log on the fire. Like I say, that Proverbs 26, 4, don't answer a fool's folly with folly. Mm-hmm. So if you, and you know, carry out a spanking and you're really trying to train, it's not going to work. And then there's the whole forgiveness and I'm sorry. And from you that they need to hear. Um, I think whining, really those kind of things. I mean, it says in Philippians 2.14, do all things without arguing and complaining or whining. Really, I mean, you've got to just ignoring them and just getting on their level. I mean, if you have like a two-year-old and you say, you know what? Mommy does not hear voices like that. I can't understand what you're asking me. And then literally, you have just got to walk around the kitchen, and if they're begging and pulling on your leg, you just don't engage with them until they stop the whining. And it just takes a little bit of time. When you can ask me in your big girl voice, I would be more than happy. And, you know, we would do things like... If they ask me, please, at the end of something, or if they ask me in a big girl voice, and and I would run around the kitchen, do jumping jacks, make a big deal, make it fun. And, like, I remember their kids, some friends being over at the table, and they were like, Mom, may I please have some more, you know, and then I would jump around and make it fun. And so then their friends were like, can I please have some more? So, I mean, if you make it with that element, yeah, if you make it with an element of fun, kids want to be a part of that. So I would just encourage y'all when you hear that tone of voice. I would also encourage you that just pray that the Lord will always let your ears be in tune to what's whining and what's disrespect. Because I see so many moms of 12 and 13-year-olds, and I'm really, one day in the store, I heard a mom on a phone with obviously her daughter, and her daughter was yelling at her so big. And I just looked at her when she got fun. I said, I hope that wasn't your daughter. And she looked at me and said, oh, well, I guess your kids are perfect. And I thought, (laughs) but I was thinking, Lord, please let my ears always hear when it's initiated from a cloudy heart. And no, my kids are not perfect. But I hope that, I mean, I say to my 16-year-old, you know what? I don't know, but it just seems like your heart sounds a little cloudy. And he'll go, Mom, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? So, I mean, just really pray about that, that you'll hear it, because you don't want to let those little weeds get intertwined because they will grow and grow and grow. And then you have a 13-year-old or 14 or 15 or 16 talking to you like that. So that's great. Um, well, just a great question. So kids goofing off during family prayer time. Is this a childish behavior issue or something to discipline as disrespectful? And I would say that's something you discipline for as disrespectful. I think there is an honor that goes with when you're praying and I'm not old school or anything like that, but I do think you teach reverence for God in your home. And I think that's one of the ways that you do that. So I, there's an attitude that you want when you're talking about the Lord, when your kids are really young. So whatever the appropriate consequence is, if you really need to send that message and it's continual behavior, then I would say spanking is appropriate for that because it's attitude. It's not just that actual behavior that's taking place. That was a great question. All right. Here's the convicting question. Everybody ready for this? Okay. Do you guys, Kyle and Trish, have the same boundaries with screen time, TV shows for yourselves as you do for your girls? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> 
And so thank you for that question. So what and, about and, uh, modeling? I don't and, know. And the conviction that I will have the rest of the day as we go through um, all of that. But, you know, in terms of content, though, part of it is what I can put in my mind as in a married lady and not have it affect me is very different than a completely pure, innocent little mind, you know, what they can put into theirs. So I hate to say my exposure is a little thicker skinned, but it really is. That's an age appropriate decision. It is an age appropriate decision. I will just tell you, you know, I, I told this story last night at Parenting on Point, but the whole purity thing, one of the great things was we, at a very early age, you start talking about modesty and only mom and the doctor can touch these parts of your body and all, all that kind of stuff. And so uh, I don't, we didn't let our kids wear shorts with their names across the rear end because